podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Record-breaking success at the Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games once again for British cycling. Despite the challenges off the bike of the past 18 months, the British athletes, with the support of their coaches and all the behind-the-scenes staff, delivered some outstanding moments to remember this summer. Now three years until Paris 2024, and nine months into his new job, British Cycling's new chief executive has set out the new strategy for the organisation to grow the sport and enable more people in all communities to discover cycling. This is Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic Sport Podcast. And this is the series where we speak to the men and women in charge of sport in this country. I'm Michael. I'm John. My name's Brian Placer. I'm the Chief Executive of British Cycling. Brian, to start off with, and we could start anywhere, to be fair, but I'm going to start with the Paralympics because 24 medals, 21 riders, all winning a medal the best ever. It was just amazing, wasn't it? Uh, what, what an inspiration to watch it uh, as well. Uh, look, and I know some of these kicked off early in the morning as well, but I, I managed to get through every single one of them. Uh, and I could have could have cried at various points during it as well. So some real superhumans, and not just in cycling, by the way. If you look at the whole of Paralympic GB, uh, you look at the swimmers, uh, you look at everything that went on in there as well. It, I, I think it was just a, an amazing game. Really, probably the, the best I've seen. And then the Olympics didn't do too badly either with mountain biking and BMX really coming to the fore. Yeah, and I think the diversity of, of, of what we did for this Olympics was, was, was amazing. And a lot of hats off to Sparky uh, and his team uh, within, within British Cycling, the great British Cycling team, uh, to actually be able to deliver across such, such a breadth as well. And look, it would have been easy to, to kind of think you've won BMX, you've won mountain biking, and then track uh, could have been a bit more of a challenge. But actually to go and win as, as much as we did in track as well was, was a real testimony, I think, in very difficult times during the pandemic and I know everybody's experienced that but but we, we, we've come out of it very well. You mentioned Sparky, Stephen Park of course your performance director. We were really impressed with him Brian. He managed the media expectations before the games sort of saying we might not be quite as good as we have been in recent years but then the way he led his team they then delivered more than maybe we were all expecting. Look, a lot comes down to the coaches that are around Stephen as well as around Sparky. Um, but but I think the big significant thing for me is the team actually works well together as well. There was a lot of smiles on people's faces. Uh, and look, when you're winning with a smile and, and when you're winning with friends, it, it makes a big difference. And you could really see that across the whole breadth of, of the Olympics, uh, you know, with, with the, the, the track cyclists watching the BMXers and the mountain bikers and vice versa. I think it was just a very special game from that point of view. Just quickly on that, do you think there was more of a team spirit because there were no fans in the stadiums, no supporters? They were the only supporters that people had? No, I, I don't. Look, the, the team spirit really comes from the top and, and down throughout the whole system. Um, and you start to, to build that. And I also think the diversity of bringing you know, BMX and, and those aspects, which are, which are a, different, a different bunch, really, a different demographic, I think it, it really adds to the, to the ingredients. And I think that's a largely, largely what makes the difference. So let's move to the other things we could have started with, your new British cycling strategy. You've been in the job nine months. This is your strategy. 
it is, but it's our strategy as, as an organisation and, and the way we've built this is from the ground up. So every member of staff has been consulted and we've been through a really big process over the last nine months to get here with 10,000 submissions coming into us, uh, 115 hours of consultation across inside and outside of the organisation. So, so I'd say it's, a, it's born from our membership, it's born from our people uh, and it's, it's slightly different. So, so whilst I may sit at the top of it, I think it's come from the bottom of the organisation all the way through. Tell us the main headlines of the strategy. So look, at British Cycling, we, we want to lead our sport and inspire our communities to create moments to make the whole nation proud, uh, which is a slight different step to, to where we've been. Uh, and look, we know if you see the joy in a child's face at the end of the first race winning, winning the Olympics, uh, Paralympics and world titles and the levels in between, it generates a societal change as well. So we know that, that by leading the sports, working strongly to inspire the communities, we can make a big impact on society, whether that be through economics, whether that be through the environment, uh, whether it be just raising the spirits of the nation, as we've seen during the Olympics and the Paralympics that's just come as well. So, uh, And to do this, we really identified some of the priorities. So there's seven priorities. That, that lead to it, three which enable us to lead the sport, uh, three which then inspire the community, uh, and then one of us which allows us to have the tools to, to do the job as well. Look, all, all are interdependent on each other as well. So if you fail in one, you, you, you can't succeed in the other ones as well. And then underpin, underpinning that, we went through some principles. So we built five principles on, on which we will operate as an organisation, uh, not just for the next three years, but also for the, the subsequent years that come after that as well. And then we'll build a strategy framework that runs through the organisation to make sure we do it. And the biggest thing for me in all of this was making sure that we could measure uh, what we were doing as well, because what you can measure, you, you can manage. So if you don't put your, your flag to the mast uh, and say, actually, success looks like this, then it's very hard to be held to account. And of course, we want to be held to account for our successes. One of the things that leapt out at me was at the turn of the millennium, British Cycling had 15,000 members. Now it's 150,000, but you want a quarter of a million. Yeah, and, and look, we, we know there's 9.1 million people riding in the sport of cycling. We know there's over 20 million people that are riding bikes generally. So it's actually a good reflection of success and that you're getting your message across. Uh, and then it becomes a want-based membership as opposed to just a need because it's an insurance transaction. So actually, that's about the growth in your membership. So if you've got your propositions right, you've got your messaging right, and, and you're delivering what you need to for your members, you should be able to grow the membership base. So look, whilst it's ambitious, I think with the systems that we put in place and, and the principles that we've got, I think we can deliver it. British Cycling's done a great job at hitting its target of getting more than a million women cycling. Could you have set yourself a target, say, to get a certain number of ethnic minorities cycling yeah and, and of course we, we've done that uh, and within the strategy that we're putting there it's about kind of cycling for everybody so we want everybody to, to feel welcome to cycling ethnic minorities different genders different religions everything really and, and at that stage we've set those targets in there the, the challenge for everybody i think now is, is where does the benchmark lay because I don't think anybody's really been brave enough to, to put some metrics on it. So, so we're putting those metrics down and it's a really big part of, of what we want to be, which is inclusive to everybody, um, to make sure everybody feels comfortable riding in a bike in a group with people and taking part in our sport. And I think that the big benefit for us there is, is obviously working with the BMX, working with, with mountain biking. You, you've got a more diverse audience than, than we've ever had. Uh, and, you know, you've got to live that, that life as well. And we saw that, of course, in the Olympics and Paralympics in the BMX. Kai White, Bethany Shriver, Kadena Cox. Those pictures are lasting memories of those games. 
Absolutely. And, and again, it's, it's inspiration to participation. So when people see that, that you can uh, and we embrace it, that, then ultimately I think you, you can deliver on the results. So look, again, we, we've set ambitious targets for doing that. And also children and youth. And I think children and youth really feeds into the, into the diversity as well, because again, if, if we can target at a younger age, then it, it actually makes it easier to, to, to kind of to move forward with, with different socioeconomic bands as well. Um, and that's certainly a big target for us as well. Last one on this then, Brian. In lockdown, people got on their bikes. You couldn't get bike for love nor money. Is there a fear that we could go backwards as we return to some kind of normality? I, I don't think there is. I mean, there's always the danger as the roads get busier and people feel less safe and less secure riding on them. And that's where, where government have got to help us really to make sure that the roads and the infrastructure is in place for, for people to be able to go and ride. But it's also incumbent on us to make sure there's safe places to, to go and ride your bike, which is where competition helps a little bit. So for a good example, the, the launch yesterday was at Silverstone. Uh, and there were thousands of people, children to older people, all riding their ride bikes around the circuit in a really happy and safe environment. In fact, I did the family ride as well, and, and it was just amazing to see so many smiling, smiling faces going around the track. So look, it's incumbent on us to provide these facilities for people to ride in, but it's also incumbent on government itself to actually make sure that the road structures are really safe for people to go on there. And look, there's big strides with that with the highway code. And look, we, we certainly know that, that there's a, a real appetite to keep people cycling and keep people walking because it's better for our environment, it's better for our health, uh, and all the different things that come as well. So, so from our point of view, it's about putting those people in the spotlight that can inspire people to continue riding their bikes. We mentioned it earlier, nine months in the job, still enjoying it? Oh, love it. Uh, it's, 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 it's the best job in the world, isn't it? I think it was advertised as one of the best jobs in sport, and, and it's certainly been that. Look, it's challenging the same as every other, every other job is, but you know, I wake up with a smile on my face every day, and I go to bed with a smile on my face, and I think that's a good measure of, of whether you're enjoying the job or not, and, and I love it. You're a member of a cycling club. Do they treat you slightly differently now? I've actually moved to be closer to Manchester. So I've just started to cycle up in the, in the Peak District. So I've been down to, to Damtree a couple of times, but I've not had a chance to, to go cycling with them since we were out. I did go out with Banbury Star uh, a, a few months ago for their 130th anniversary as well, which was amazing. And there were some people from Damtree there as well. So it's been a really strange start to an organisation when you start virtually. Uh, and then you work your way through. And of course, we're moving house virtually as well. And, and we're, it's, a, it's a very, very strange world to do that. But I've loved it. And, and I love being in the Peak District at the moment as well. It's what an amazing place to, to go and ride your bike up some big hills. One of your huge successes at London Irish was the commercial side of the business. And that's an important part for British cycling now because they're, your contract with HSBC, your sponsorship with HSBC has come to a close now Tokyo is finished. Yeah, it does. And, and it gives us a chance to actually reset and reassess where we are as an organisation. And, and one of the things we want to look at is is a different sort of relationship that actually brings not just always finances, but quite often services or ability for us to get more people riding their bikes. So if we can have more thematic relationships uh, across the piece with, with sponsors that actually have a real resonance. So some people can help us with children and youth. Some people can help us with diversity and inclusion and people that actually really have some skin in the game on, on both sides of, of what we're doing as well. So, so we're looking at really reassessing and part of the strategy that we're putting forward now enables us to do that and to take some very different propositions to the market for anybody that wants to come and support cycling and see that the world become a better place for it. So rounding up, Brian, we've got some exciting sport to come in this country. The Commonwealth Games next summer, back at the Velodrome in London, of course, and then Paris 
the Olympics and Paralympics not that far away. The pressure doesn't really stop for your athletes, Brian. Oh, uh, look, and in between that, we've also got the 2023 World Championships in Glasgow as well, which is the first time that every element of cycling has been brought to one nation at a time as well. So it, it's fairly relentless. Uh, and some of the, the road riders now will, will also be going out to Flanders. Uh, in a few weeks' time for the for the world champs as well. So uh, they, they, it's been it's a relentless cycle coming out of the, the pandemic. But look, it's it's still riding your bike and, and people still enjoy it. So uh, you know we just have to make sure we look after the welfare of people that are doing this. Make sure they do get the right downtime. Specifically, the staff that are behind the scenes as well. Otherwise, we we run the risk of burnout. And of course, we're, we're always mindful of, of making sure it's a it's a good place to be and people get the time and, and the infrastructure and the, the tools they need to do their job as well. And again, that's part of the strategy when you look at it it's one of those columns that are at the bottom to make sure that we enable and give our workforce and, and our facilitators our volunteers uh, you know enough tools and, and enough enough the bits they need to do their job effectively well we wish you and british cycling all the best for your strategy thank you for making us smile throughout the summer and thank you for talking to anything but footy thank you very much john enjoyed it thank you sports social podcast network